0: <laughs> Thank you. That was real good. <laughs> My God, that's the way they do it in the movies. It was fantastic. I'll tell you. In all the years I've been around the studios, television, or radio, I've never seen anybody give me a cue as definite as that. That's just the way Richard Widmark would do it in the movies, or Van Johnson. Uh, hey, we would like to salute a valiant performer of our day. I don't know whether you heard about Pig. That was. Uh, Uh, found swimming off the coast of uh, Florida here the other day. Did you hear about him, Nick? Yes, he's very nice. A real pig. I'm not talking about, you know, a philosophical pig. Uh, Five fishermen caught a pig in the ocean. Mike Ledley of Hialeah and his friends say that they hooked a badly sunburned, salt-encrusted pig who was tired but apparently happy as a porker can be to see the fishermen. And he (laughs) says, no one knows how to pig reach Mr. Ledley's boat which was 15 miles northeast of Miami Beach. That's a good part of the ocean out to sea there. But the pig immediately started swimming toward the boat, he said, as soon as he saw it. uh, The sailors pulled him in. And did you hear what happened to that poor pig when they brought him into shore? Didn't you hear the terrible... Oh, it was awful. They brought that poor pig. He was sunburned. He had salt all over him. He was swimming. They say he was swimming in the general direction of Spain. Which uh, is kind of provocative, but uh, never. I don't. You know, I'm placing no political implications on this uh, because uh, pigs ostensibly don't have any political aspirations. However, he was swimming towards Spain, and when they pulled him in, he was very delighted to be on the boat. They said that he ran around and he licked people's hands and cheered, and you know, you know how a pig is. Pig can be very affectionate. Any of you who've dated one know. And uh, nevertheless, they brought this pig back to shore, and uh, the officials, there's always officials on on duty, no matter where one goes in life, the officials uh, said that, no, you can't bring an illegal pig into the country, because there's no telling where he came from. And uh, that's right, and then he may be carrying foreign diseases. I mean, he could have swung, you know, could have swum all the way from Spain and turned around, and decided, well, the hell with it, and after he heard about Watergate and all that stuff, turned around and started to swim back. So at that point, they had to destroy him, as the official euphemism means, he says. Yeah, they destroyed him after all that swimming. Oh, fool. (laughs) I mean, boo, that's right, Nick, boo, boo. And, uh, you know, I I can only say that I'm probably the only guy on any of the major media who has said uh, we should all give a... Small moment of silence to the memory of that poor victim of officialdom. Okay, that's enough. But, uh, I mean, you know, sunburned. The idea that he was sunburned and he was salt-encrusted. Of course, this is what made him suspicious right for starters. They said, you know, he swam a long way. And if that pig was on his way setting a new pig record, you know, coming from someplace like, uh, you know, Bialystok, Russia... And he swam all the way. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think he would have made a hell of a guest on the Dick Cavett show had they brought him in, you know, and investigated him. But uh, uh, speaking of, uh, of, of showbiz, which uh, always seems to crop up these days, uh, we're going to take time out right now in the busy schedule of this important media of communication here. We're going to take time out now to salute... Uh, something which is often talked about but is rarely saluted on toto. We are about to salute showbiz, of which, of course, indubitably we are a part. So this is really, in a sense, self-serving, although most organizations do serve themselves quite well. I mean, uh, the Oscar Awards is an, is an annual debauch of a self-congratulations. You notice that, right? Uh, <laughs> after all, what is the all-star game? Uh, this is an annual debauch of self-congratulations. Uh, nobody is averse to it these days. Uh, humility is a great word, but it is rarely used in the actual practice. So, would you please bring on my salute to showbiz music? This is a salute to showbiz music. I mean, you know, it's showbiz. you got to have a hell of an intro to anything that showbiz does curtains going up, lights flashing, Shirley Jones is on hand to talk to uh, to William B. Uh, as they move in along the great red carpet to tonight's premiere. Yes, the lights are lit, the eyes are sparkling, 5,000 little hungry flax are on hand, all with their little crummy teeth snapping like rodents. On hand, Earl Wilson is there, once again, another exciting moment in showbiz. All right, hold it, Nick. Hold it. Now, reset that, please, if you will. I'm going to use that in another way. Reset that. We're going to really focus our salute. That uh, I'm delighted to see that showbiz is still in full swing. That uh, I don't know whether this has been reported to you or not, but showbiz is making unbelievable capital of Watergate. We all know that showbiz is very patriotic and never has any self-serving attitudes towards itself, right? I mean, it's everything is you know, wants to have the public know. Well, I have been deluged for the last mm, three weeks, at least, uh, since the very first night of Watergate. You know, the first day that Watergate appeared on the the horizon as a showbiz epic. Uh, I have been deluged with at least four stereo recordings involved. Oh, yes. Well, there's at least 15 comics that are already building their entire career on Watergate. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and, oh, I'll tell you, the, the, the flood of showbiz materia already is reaching epic proportions. But I have been, uh, uh, I, I'm on a lot of lists, you know, being in showbiz myself. I get a lot, yes, yes, that's right. I, uh, I've gotten all kinds of stuff. I have a Watergate calendar now. I have my selection of at least 25 different Watergate bumper stickers, some of which come in uh, red day-glow paint. I have uh, buttons. I have tie clips. Uh, there is now a Watergate watch, which has a composite picture of uh, John Dean III. Uh, <laughs> and each little hand has a different... Uh, like there's a hand that points to uh, uh, McCord. McCord's at 1 o'clock, in case you're curious. Uh, the next number, which is 2 o'clock, uh, has the name of uh, Secretary Stams. So you can say it's now half past Stams. Uh, this is all the clever material that is being uh, that is being put out on the market. Of course, all in the name of patriotism. Yes, indeed. The public has a right to know and also to pay. So would you please bring on our salute to showbiz music. Here it comes on, Biz. We are saluting Watergate as the curtain goes up on another bonanza. Oh, this is in it. Beyond the blue horizon lies another big buck.
1: Yeah. Beyond the blue
0: horizon lies a fantastic mother of The AOX bucks. Beyond the blue horizon, lies a fantastic mother load of money. So let us go with all our
1: flags
0: flying.
1: Good old showbiz
0: is always there. Ready to bring it to the public. Ready to say deep and incisive things about the world. In fact, the latest album which I just received said that this incisive satirical deeply moving album the Cynthia with promotional values involved. Play it on your show and we guarantee you an instant listening audience. Also, be sure to mention that the record is available at all the record shops for those who are interested in instant, incisive, 15-second analysis of the Watergate affair.
1: Beyond the blue horizon
0: lies, lies another career
1: lies another
0: whole road a yellow brick road of showbiz which leads inevitably of course to rich fat bank accounts already Watergate is supplanted the Vietnamese war as the source of most folk singers songs and the guitars are plunking away into echo chambers all over the land record companies are working night and day Playwrights are hard at work. Cartoonists have bought 400 gallons of ink. And they're working on their work for at least a year and a half in advance. Watchmakers are turning them out as fast as they can pound them out. Bumper stickers and tie clips can't be far behind. A watergate, My God, you are the biggest bonanza since... Since... They're going to sense sense. the discovery of trivia, nostalgia, and all those other important things that make showbiz what it is.
1: So get down on your knees and sing it out. Mammy, I'm Alabama Mountain.
0: Very good, that's nice. That was a salute to my fellows in showbiz. Can you imagine what showbiz would have been like in the day? You think what showbiz could have done with uh, with Benedict Arnold. I mean, at the time, you know. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, of course, he would have had to. He would have been on every talk show in the business. Uh, before we go any further, let's see. The time is now. Uh, what is the time, anyway? Well, whatever the time is, wherever you are, Pathmark's open. If you need groceries or household goods, come on in now. Or come in later. Most past mark stores are open 24 hours a day. And listen, have you figured out how to stay cool this summer? Well, try it, try it the French way with a chilled bottle of red Beaujolais wine. You'll really be living. It'll make your wi- your life sing. <laughs> I'll bet. Of course, just any Beaujolais won't quite make it. Don't don't drink all them Brad X ex- Beaujolais. You must have a genuine Beaujolais. Alexis Lachine, the beautiful Beaujolais, imported from France. Yes, it's the perfect summer wine to drink on your patio, your elegant uh, picnic, or in your own backyard, or just driving around on Route 3, hollering and yelling. You will enjoy summer a whole lot more with the cool French experience. Remember the name, Alexis Lachine.
1: Alexis Lachine.
0: That's, that's good enough. Did you say that uh, that the uh, Sweet and Low is on a... It's live. Ten seconds. Where is it? Oh, here it is. Are you using too much sugar in your iced tea or iced coffee? We'll get Sweet and Low, the perfect sugar substitute. It's featured at all fine foods and drug stores. Alexis Lachine. Alexis Lachine. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, hello. This is... Hello, hello. Hello, gang. This is W-O-R... You know, this is, after all, you have to accept the bitter with the better. This is W O R, New York. <laughs> Where did New York go? Well, uh, you know, speaking of uh, of the nuttiness of our time, which I think uh, Watergate is part of, I just uh, kind of enjoy Watergate, and uh, oh, that's uh, it's, it's it's brought the roses to my cheeks. I'll tell you that, and uh, it has. I I must admit. You know, somebody mentioned this to me the other night. Says Shepard, uh, you know, you're the first guy that I've heard any type of, uh, might say, public commentator, who's admitted that Watergate is fun. We don't ever want to admit this stuff, you know. We no, no, no. We this is what we quiet... We all look with deep concern, you know. Oh, have you ever noticed the terrible concern that Frank Reynolds has on his face when he's describing what's going on? And yet, at the same time. Uh, <laughs> I mean you know, it's like it's like, oh I, you hear some terrible comments. It's like I heard the other day just in a, in an off comment, somebody was talking about a newsroom which will not be mentioned at this point. There's a lot of newsrooms in town. so this is a this can be any newsroom, and the person who is in the business uh, can be any person. and I'm not going to even give it a name, but this is the kind of things you actually hear backstage. this person said to me, uh, this person had just come from the newsroom, a newsroom, where this person worked, or at least in that vicinity. This person came from this newsroom and said, oh, boy, are they having fun? And I said, fun? And the person went on and said, yes, they're, they're well, I haven't seen them have as much fun since that plane crashed in Jamaica Bay. <laughs> and... <laughs> And I, I'm just I'm just saying this is a this is a, a, a fact you know that I I and I would like uh, I'd like to it's just like a, a, a minister uh, if you, a minister loves the idea of sin I mean he inveighs against it but it certainly brings the roses to his cheeks when he sees it happening uh, uh, so we're always well, no matter what we do in life we're always torn between this these two poles of our nature. Uh, so now, now I heard the other night. I heard somebody talking about the fact that one of the greatest uh, uh, publishing things this this time in, in our time, right now, 1973, is material on World War II. Now. Uh, the theory that this publisher gave out because of this uh, phenomena, which is absolutely fact. I know one publishing house that's made a fantastic thing. They publish all these things, like the memoirs of a Japanese fighter pilot, the memoirs of a of a Yugoslavian fighter pilot, the memoirs. You know, you've seen these things all over, paperbacks and all that stuff. And and they really sell. I mean, they, they, they sell almost as well as the latest Diet book, you know, by, by the... Uh, uh, by the latest, uh, and I quote, doctor, who comes up with the you know the uh, the cantaloupe diet? Uh, yes, oh yes, Shep, have you heard of the cantaloupe diet? The cantaloupe and mushroom diet. I'll even add a little more authentic with the uh, with the uh, with the supplemental vitamin E shots you take. Oh, it's a fantastic diet! Lose over 100 pounds in maybe three or four hours. Just tremendous. Uh, <laughs> but uh, now watch, immediately we'll start getting calls. Hey, what about that? Where can I get a copy of that book? Well, there's an insatiable desire for diet books this day in our time. There's also an insatiable desire for books on, uh, on uh, World War II, not the Korean War. You can't give away books on the Korean War. Uh, books on the Vietnamese War are now already, just as fast as they're being printed, Nick, they are going directly to the remainder counters. Uh, They do not even stop at go. They do not even stop in a bookstore. They go immediately to the... And by the way, I want to tell you something. Can I... You really want me to get the... the, To be truly honest about a lot of things. The Things that I hear when I'm around people who are involved in great events, which you probably think, you know, these are real concerned people. Well, last summer... I want you to listen to this, Nick, because this... uh, Last summer, I am in a bus... Now, this bus was a special bus. This bus contained about, at that point, about 25 of America's number one leading writers. I was in this bus. And it was a convention of writers, as a matter of fact, which I was part of because of my writing. And I was there. uh, This was a whole group of writers, all of whom had contributed uh, to national magazines, national publications, books, and one thing and another, all major writers. To give you an idea of the caliber of the writer that was in this, it was in this. Why don't you listen to this, Connie. I'm just talking about. Very few people tell the truth about things, and and I mean the real truth. We like to tell the truth about other people, but when we talk, yeah, when we talk about the truth about, I said so that's something else again. And and, and I'm, I'm, I my thesis is based on the premise that most people are secretly enjoying Watergate. I'm, I'm, it, it, it's, it, 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 it's, it's put, it's breathed life into every news program. For a while, there was a great depression in the news departments around the country when the Vietnamese War ended. <laughs> you know, and, 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 so, so Watergate has brought the roses to the cheeks. In fact, it started new careers for many a comic who was already on his way down. And, uh, yeah, now they're all running around like mad, doing their imitations of John Dean III, and all that. So, so let's face it. Uh, there is a certain amount of subterranean enjoyment in, in disaster. Well, uh, I uh, to give you an idea how, how real this is. This is. I was on a on a on a bus here last summer. This was last. This was uh, last spring actually, about a year ago. I was on this bus, and uh, and in the bus was 25 of America's top writers, and in fact, some of them were world writers. To give you an idea, the kind of guy that was at this convention, uh, Nick, was, say, uh, a person like uh, Arthur Clarke. There were people like Schlesinger. Uh, There were people like uh, Nabokov paid a visit there. There were people like uh, Dickey. I mean, these are, you know, really heavyweight types, you see. So we're we're riding in this bus, this whole crowd of riders, and in in the seat ahead of me, was a was a was a writer a guy i happen to know a guy from new york and he's also a very famous writer see he's directly ahead of me and he's working away we're we're supposed to be having this was a, like a, a enjoyment period you know we're supposed to be out having a good time on uh, this particular little episode in the bus we were going from one place to another where they were going to have this entertainment see and he's got his notebooks on. he's writing like mad he's actually writing see all the rest of us were having this three-day uh, fun you know, drinking martinis and yelling and chasing the girls and the whole bit see but he's riding away see and and uh, and another writer sitting across the aisle from him said the following hey uh for god's sakes can't you relax i mean you know three days you can you can knock off at least three days you're making everybody feel their their conscience is hurting them you know they're not working and here you are working right here even while we're riding in the bus he's well i gotta get this thing done and the guy says, Well, you know, we all got work we gotta get done, but we're not all sitting around while we're swimming in the pool writing our stuff, you know, floating in the inner tubes right in the way, you know, writing on our short story. He says, Yeah, but I got a different problem. And the guy says, What? He says, you know, oh god, he says, I could kill that Nixon. I could really kill that Nixon. You know what that think's gonna do? That that think is gonna finish the Vietnamese war. He's gonna he's gonna call a ceasefire and finish the Vietnamese war before my book is out. It's gonna kill it. By the way, this guy is a famous foe of the Vietnamese War. You must understand that his entire fame is based on the fact that he was supposed to be against the Vietnamese War. And here he was being bugged that the fact that the war was about to end and his book wasn't out yet. And uh, so I won't tell you who it was. <laughs> Listen, I heard one of the, one of the greatest lines I've ever heard like that. You know, when you're, when you're in this business, you realize that, that a lot of stuff is turned out because it's in the business. It's the business, you know, that, that, that it's the business of a, of a minister to be anti-sin. Who he is? His, his entire career is based on being anti-sin. And so, you know, he's a, he's a professional anti-sinner. And, and many writers' career is based on being whatever they, you know, whatever's going on. They're against it, see, because this is their career, it's, it's not only their career, but their, their whole reputation is based on it. So one day, I'm, I'm sitting in, in uh, I'll give you, I'll even tell you specifically where it was. Uh, before we go any further, you know, let's do a couple of commercials here. I'll let you know, I hear these great lines here from actual people. Uh, let's see, uh, how about the House of Chad? But before we do the House of Chad, let's do another Pathmark. Huh? Whatever time it is at your house, it's pretty damn late, Pathmark's open. If you need groceries or household goods, you can come in right now, or you can come in later. Most Pathmark stores are open 24 hours a day. And here you're wasting your time listening to radio. You could be standing around the frozen food department. Uh, Let's see. um, We have the House of Chan now. Elegant Chinese restaurant. For those of you who don't know about it, I can't believe that there are such around. But it's at the corner of 52nd Street and 7th Avenue in New York open for lunch, they're open for dinner, they're open till midnight, right? Just tell them you want to go to the show, and they'll have that stuff on the table hot and ready to go. Now, let's see, uh, we have, uh, what is this? Chief Pontiac. He's a famous Indian, right?
1: Do we have a, a an E.T. about him? Let's hear what Chief Pontiac has to say. This is ridiculous! Where am I gonna put them? Oh, hi there, folks. Joe D. from Chief Pontiac in Little Falls Here. Excuse my outburst. I know how you hate to have people screaming at you, but I've got so many 73 Pontiacs on him right now, it gets me mad! Oops, excuse me. But I've got hundreds and hundreds of new Pontiacs. Le Mans's, Venturas, Grand Prixs, and station wagons. All colors, all styles, and no place to put them. I can't give them away, but I'll do the next best thing. I'll sell them at a price nobody can beat and give you a great trade in price on your old car and give you whatever credit terms you need. I've got to sell these cars. I can't stand it. Please, come to Chief Pontiac on Route 46 in Little Falls, New Jersey. Any night till 10. I'll be the guy screaming at the top of the totem pole. Let me prove to you my reputation as the biggest yes man in the business is well-deserved. I just hate to say no to any deal, any time.
0: <laughs> That's a... Authentic Indian dialect, there, of course. That's Chief Pontiac. He's a Route 46 Indian. Uh, the colorful, beautiful Route 46. I just hate to say no. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Nick. Well, they do overload everything in there. Ah, uh, it doesn't matter. I don't uh, Hey, what's what's this other one you got up here? Port of New York Authority. What's that? Hit that thing. Let's hear it. <laughs> Attention, path riders. Welcome back to happier commuting. Summertime and all year long, there's no better way than John, PATH, a good. rail rapid transit service of the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Ease the connections with the Erie Lackawanna, Jersey Central, and Penn Central, as well as local buses and city no, subways. That's not John. Our ultra modern trains are clean and attractive, and every car is fully air conditioned. Go PATH, the cool, quick way. Oh, that's a pitch for PATH. Hmm. Okay. Oh, you want to hear what was said? All right, I'll tell you. Listen to this one. I'll set the scene, see. (laughs) Uh, Now, the scene is in a New York restaurant. I'll tell you what it was. It was Downey's. And uh, that's a showbiz restaurant, you know, over on 8th Avenue there. And uh, a lot of my friends are showbiz types, and I I was, uh, uh, a lot of them are writers, a lot of them are actors. I've done, you know, I've worked with a lot of these people, so this film... This guy that I knew is a, is a, is a uh, was a uh, a writer, and is a writer, see, and playwright, and uh, at least he was writing a play at this point. And uh, he he, he we we're having dinner, and so this is one of the great lines that that, that really says to me a lot about <laughs> the theater's concern for real life. It has a great concern for the plays, a great concern for the theater, but not much concern for real life. I've always felt uh theatrical life when a, uh, when the play you think that, that Shakespeare worried about Hamlet's plight or did he think it made a hell of a great play now, that's big difference <laughs> I mean seriously I'm not being being facetious i mean the 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 motivation behind what a writer does and i as I tell you this is a professional storyteller and writer that the motivation is not selfish or or uh or uh, cynical, anything like that. That the storyteller tends to think of life as a as a great uh, source of potential stories. Now, the the guy who who hears the story, or the man who watches the play, or watches the movie, tends to believe that the that the guy that's created this thing is really concerned over the issue involved. He really believes this. And incidentally, a lot of theatrical people will convince themselves that they themselves are concerned over the issue. Now, that's not quite the same as being concerned. It, it's, you will convince yourself that that you're really concerned over this thing, and and uh, and I'm not impugning the motives of people here. I just I'm trying to get at the base. You know, this has been a, this has been a, a discussion that's going on for many many centuries. ...stem from does it still? But the motives. Of a viewer watching something, the attitude of a viewer, or a, or an observer, or a listener, or a watcher, whatever he might be. In other words, the the audience is rarely the same as that of the performer or the creator of this thing. Now that's that's the great great interesting difference. A folk singer singing a song about, let's say, an issue. Now, that, that, that song has gotten that person popularity. <laughs> it's also gotten him applause. It's gotten him uh, fame, and incidentally, it's sold records. Now, is that person involved in the same way about that issue that he is singing about, or she, as the audience is? Or does one have... Other there to grind that the audience never has? The audience never realizes any personal gain, we'll say, from poverty. In fact, he has to pay out as a result of it, usually, in taxes, various other things, uh, or war, whatever it might be. Uh, a guy singing a song about war is not at war. <laughs> That's a very different thing uh, than being at war. Uh, and yet the impression is always given that a singer singing song about war is more concerned about the cessation of the war than the guy that's actually getting shot at, which really doesn't make much sense. But nevertheless, this is this is all part of that whole thing of of the curious motives uh, lack of or possibly divergent that that go to into making up a thing. So anyway, give you an idea of the kind of thing that I'm talking about, this sh- this playwright comes into Downey's and we're having dinner, see, and he's really upset. I mean, he's really, really, he's really, really, uh, he's white. You know, I thought something had happened. I thought maybe the producer who was about to produce his play had canceled on him, something really big, see. So he sits down uh, in the booth with me, see, he looks across the, the booth and I said, uh, uh Gee, what's up, uh, boy? Wow, you look you look real bad. You know what's happened? And uh, he says, "Got to have a drink." He says, uh, "Hey, waiter, waiter!" And the waiter's running by. He says, uh, "Bring me a uh, 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 double scotch water, make it a double." And the waiter rushes away. And I thought, "Gee, something happened. It was real bad." I said, "What happened?" He said, "Oh God." He says, "Oh man, this Cuban missile thing has really, really got me." Well, the first time I'd ever heard this guy actually talk about anything that was a current event, <laughs> other than in the most general terms. You know, almost all showbiz people are for liberty. They're for freedom. They're all these generalized things. They're against uh, uh, whoever is uh, on the Republican side, whoever it is. You know, it's all generalized. So I, I said to him, well, well what? Uh, I said, gee, uh, yeah, it is kind of a problem. This was all during the missile crisis. You remember Kennedy's whole big thing, scene Kennedy was on the air, And I said to him, well, what, uh, what you know, this is, I I agree that this is a very tense situation. He said, oh, God, oh, it's driving me up the wall. He said, I only hope one thing, one thing. I just hope one thing. And I said, well, what is that? He said, well, I I hope that they wait until after my play opens before they start dropping them atom bombs. That's what bothered him. No, if you think I'm kidding, this actually happened. I thought at first this guy was kidding. See, I laughed. I laughed, and he looked at me and he says, "What are you laughing about?" He was really bugged then at me. He says, "What's what's so funny?" I said, "Well, don't you, don't you, did you hear what you just said?" He says, "Yeah." I hope they wait until after my play opens. He says, "You know, I've been working on this play for two years. You think I want this damn thing to go down the drain?" I mean, you know, I can just imagine. He says, I can. Just, and then he goes on further. He says, I can just imagine, just to my luck, that the night my play opens, that's the day they attack Moscow and Washington with a bombs, and I would be. They wouldn't even bother to send a critic. I said, Oh, I see. Yeah, well, that's true. It certainly would uh, be very inconvenient to a lot of people. I said, You know, as a matter of fact, I, I'm not. I'm not even going to wash my car over that next weekend. They'll, you know, just be my luck. All that fall, I'd come down wreck the car, you know, and a whole bit. And I just, right after I washed it, <laughs> he, he did not get the irony. So, so I, I, uh, I just, did, did you know, now I'll add a little more of this. Do you know that, that across the river, in, over in, in uh, Jersey, there are about five or six plants that specialize in making stuff like bumper stickers. Uh, they, they make uh, all kinds of uh, tie clips, you know, and they make things like Agnew watches and all that stuff. see so, you know, this is the whole big, uh, big industry these days. Uh, right, you probably are aware now there's at least 35 games now out on the market. I mean, instantly based on Watergate. You can, you know, they're all six, seven bucks a clip, too. You know, you can buy a Watergate game now. And, uh, you know, with little jazzy little cards that say, stop by John Dean's office and pick up memo. You know, kind of stuff. And you spin it again. It says, go try to get an appointment with the president. You are blocked by Ehrlichman. Go back to a uh, goal, you know that kind of stuff. So uh, n- uh, they're not even that clever, unfortunately. So, uh, nevertheless, uh, th- this is a big industry. So, I I uh, <laughs> I was with a guy one day. This about uh, oh, this is about a year ago, see, And uh, this guy, uh, he's from over in Jersey. See, so he's uh, he's involved in a lot of little cockamamie things from time to time, and he produces things and stuff, and so. I I have a lot of friends that uh, I could roughly categorize as uh, phone booth Indians. You know what it's a phone booth Indian? His entire office is in a phone booth. He keeps running in and out of phone booths and uh, making these calls. And, uh, you know, that's a phone booth Indian. It's a great phrase. You know who invented that phrase? Uh, That phrase was, uh, was, was at least popularized by the guy who wrote Subways Are for Sleeping, Edmund Love, a writer uh and uh the phone booth indian is a common uh character in new york he has a he, he also has his office in his hat you know all his little uh all his little phone bo- numbers and his contacts and so forth he's always trying to pull a deal well this is my friend was a phone booth indian and uh, they always are privy to all kinds of little subterranean business ventures and opportunities so i'm having uh Uh, I'm having a hot dog. You don't do much more than have a hot dog with a phone booth Indian, because if you go anywhere else, you're going to get stuck with a tab. The first thing a phone booth Indian does is eat everything in sight (laughs) whenever whenever you take them to a restaurant. So uh, I said to my friend, I said, Hey, Jay, do you want to go down uh, to Nathan's, Uh, you know, here on 44th Street? So he says, "Uh, Nathan's? I said, Yeah, you know, I mean it's kind of a hip thing to do. (laughs) You know, it's kind of hip. Let's go down have a couple of Nathan hot dogs. Well, putting it that way, he could not... he could not uh, object. Uh, so he says, oh, yeah, yeah, hip. Uh, yeah, that's right, it's hip. Let's get on to Nathan. So we go into Nathan's, and uh, we, we walk in, and, and uh, we, we, you know, we get our hot dogs and our french fries. And, and then he says, hey, listen, he says, I got a fantastic deal I can offer you. I said, well, what is it, Jay? Jay's always got fantastic deals. And before I go any further, do we have another Pathmark, another fantastic deal for you? you know that Pathmark is still open? They're sticking with it. They've been open all through the show here. It's value time all day and all night at Pathmark. Uh, Whenever you want to shop, some Pathmark is open 24 hours a day. So you get over there. They're open right now, right? You want yourself some frozen haddock sticks? They're open. Uh, But the maraschino cherries, they got them there. So uh, nevertheless, (laughs) well, you know, I never know what you might want. So I'm uh, saying to my friend Jay... He says, uh, he, says hey, "He says I got you, I got a real big business deal.' And he's looking around to make sure that all the other hangers-on down there at uh, at uh, Nathan's aren't going to try to horn in on this great deal." And he says, "Listen, he says, I got a fantastic deal for you." Let's remember, this is about uh, oh, I'd say this is about three years ago. It's not a year ago. It's about three years ago. He said, "I got a fantastic deal for you." I said, "Well, what kind of a deal is it, Jay?" He says, uh, you want to make some real big dough? I said, well, Jay, I don't think there's a man in the world that uh, would say no to that, honestly. But on the other hand, there are many men in the world that are going to say what I'm about to say. He says, what? I said, how? Oh, so I thought you'd ask that. Well, uh, give me a little of that uh, showbiz mood music, Nicholas, there, please. Yes, uh, Beyond the Blue Horizon is what I want. You don't have that up? you set it up there, because it it fits just perfectly. It's the showbiz attitude towards life. And uh, so here we are. We're standing there. Everything is is, uh, very confidential. And Jay says to me, uh, well, I'll tell you this. How much money can you lay your hands on? I said, well, Jay, look, that is not material. What is material is how we're going to do this. Now I'll tell you how much money I could put my hands on immediately if you tell me what use to which we are going to put it. So he says, "Well, all right. I, I don't want to tell you this deal until uh, until uh, you know. I knew you were really interested and you had some dough that you could put your hands on, but I got to trust you somewhere along the line." I said, "That is right, Jay, and it is mutual. I have to trust you along the way somewhere, and uh, with your past track record, I don't know." I swear, I pass. Come on. Uh, you know you know that I was framed on a lot of that stuff. And I says, well, wait a minute, Joe. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not here talking to you, Jay, about, the, about any of those problems we ran into from time to time. Uh, let's, let's get right down to the issue. You say you know a place where I can make a lot of dough quick, right? Says, That's right. And uh, I want to know how. He says, well, all right, I'll tell you. And he glances around. Wants to make sure that nobody's looking. He says, listen... He said, I got a friend. Now, don't mention this to anybody. I got a friend over in Jersey that has a whole warehouse full of stuff that one day is going to be worth a fortune. I said, what is it, Jim?" He said, well, do you follow the news at all? And I said, well, yes, of course I do, Jay. I follow the news. He said, did you, did you hear what that think Lyndon B. Johnson did? I said, yes, I do know what Lyndon B. Johnson did. If you're referring to the fact that he came on, on the television and announced that he was not going to run, for the presidency again, I did see that in the news. He said, that's what I'm talking about. Do you know that my friend has an entire warehouse full of stuff? Buttons. He's got bumper stickers. He's got calendars. He's got games. He's got the tie clips, he's got watch fobs, he's even got the plastic sandals. All of them have got Impeached Dump Johnson. And now the think ain't running. He's got a whole warehouse full of that stuff. Do you realize that maybe in 30 or 40 years how much that stuff is going to be worth? That is going to be trivia. That stuff is going to be worth a fortune. You can just tie up that whole warehouse and he's willing to sell you this stuff on maybe 10 cents on the dollar. He's got over $300,000 worth of stuff in that warehouse. He's willing to let you have this for $30,000. I said, $30,000, Jay, I can buy a... do Johnson. Impeach that thing from Texas, buttons. Well, I'll think about it, Jay. I'll get in touch with you. I'll give you a phone call. Just be sure to do that. Here's my number. I says, is this that booth over there on 49th and Madison? So how'd you know? I said, well, I called it before, Jay. Don't you remember? It's the same bullet that keeps ringing. Beyond that low horizon lies another bonanza. Oh, showbiz marches onward, deeply concerned with the issues of the time. I'm at work now on a drama, a play, and a funny satirical sketch, all starring Senator Irvin. And... Watergate! Hit <laughs> it. On comes the bugle. Bring it on, big.
1: <laughs> no,
0: no, no. That was beautifully done, Mike. That was fun. By the way, I would like to, before I leave, I'd like to salute the, so typical of our time, I would like to salute an invitation, which I just received in the mail, a presentation by the Boston Visionary Cell, whatever that is, and that's got a great sound, the Boston Visionary Cell, it's kind of got a great name, and they're having a, uh, a symposium called Proposals for a New England Center for Comparative Utopias. So, please bring that up there. We'd like to split that group. <laughs> I don't make that ears. This is going into my file of trivia. There it is. Can't you see this crowd sitting around discussing comparative utopias? <laughs> I bet there's 425 publishers already after John W. Dean appeared for the real story of Watergate. All deeply concerned with getting the truth out of the public, of course. (laughs) Oh, hang in there, gang. I mean, you know, it's all a gallimotry in a yard wide.